Hey there, friend. Welcome to the Collide Podcast. I'm so glad that you're back again this week. If you're new to this podcast, we hope that you will subscribe and join all the rest of the people who hop on here to hear amazing stories of God at work in people's lives. We are firm believers around here on our Collide staff and see over and over again that God truly shows up in people's lives in the mess, in the brokenness, in the pain, in the ugly. And he does beautiful things. In this interview that I'm bringing you today with author N. Ford, who wrote The Refuge, a trilogy series that you're going to want to pick up, she shares how the vision of this book came to her in a time when she was brokenhearted, felt broken, and completely broke financially. And it is amazing to me how God can show up in the hardest of places, and He already is down the road, and and you feel like you're at the end of the story, and He's down the road, and He is writing a beautiful story for you, and you don't even know it. And that's this woman's story. I think this will encourage you in the place that you find yourself today. So check it out. It is so fun to sit down with you, author N. Ford, and have a conversation. I love that as I started perusing your bio, uh, it says about you that you spend most free time in the open air, usually barefooted and re- with readily available mango. So I'm kind of curious, am I interviewing you right now? And you have, you know, this magical mango in hand and you're barefoot? <laughs> I am barefoot. I am without mango, sadly. (laughs) Oh, shoot. That's funny. I'm barefoot too without mango, but I do have a coffee in hand, which, you know, you're in Nashville, but I'm in the Pacific Northwest and it's like a must. You have to do it. That is a very Pacific Northwest thing. Coffee all the time. I'm a tea drinker myself, Uh, an English wannabe, I guess, but um, but yeah, no, the mango and pineapple supply, these are my two favorite things in the whole world. When I'm dating somebody, instead of getting chocolate on Valentine's Day, I get mango and pineapple. Nice. <laughs> I love them. They're delicious. <laughs> I feel like you'd have to do some like really quick training on that to start getting fruit instead of chocolate and flowers. You know, it's like, like it, come it, up it, in the first date, like, yeah, oh, wait, absolutely. you know. Yeah, it is a first date. It's a precursor, like things you should know about me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that so much. You're currently in a huge, big life transition. Can you tell us a bit about this big move that you've just made in your life? Yes. Um, My family is coming off of 12 years of living in different parts of the country, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Orlando. And it was clear, you know, that God had kind of moved us apart for a time, for a season. And we were all kind of praying for when that would, when we would return to each other. But I think we all had some growing to do and some learning to do and some sanctification that really happens, I think, more often when you're on your own, you know, and and growing um, just with the Lord and not with your support community. And I have that great gift of having two parents who are just incredible humans who I respect with everything in me, who have pursued the Lord from since, since any memory I have of them has been them just on their knees with their Bibles open 
And, and I can remember being a little kid and, and, and saying like, it doesn't feel fair that I got these parents and other people didn't. I was very aware of that. And so I used to pray that whoever we married or, or whoever we would come across, my siblings and I, that we would have these opportunities to share the gift of my parents. And I think he's been good to provide opportunities like that. But, um, but then we went through this season where we were kind of growing in different spaces in Los Angeles and Chicago and Orlando. And over the COVID pandemic, it, it came to fruition that we all kind of felt like God may be drawing us back to each other. We have this new generation. Now I have eight nieces and nephews under the age of 11, eight Willow. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, and, and I think we all just, we have, my parents call it our first community as each other, our first biblical community as each other. And we were able to sit together during the pandemic and talk about what the next phase might look like. And, and we chose a city we could agree on, which is the Nashville area. And it felt like God led us all this way. And it felt like the doors just flung open in our circumstances and all in different ways, but it, it really was a miraculous thing to watch. So we're one, we, we are one brother short, but I think that he's coming. <laughs> so are you have, calling him on the daily? And, oh yeah. And saying, we try hey, not we to annoy him. God has a plan for your life, but we have one too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Like that's really sweet, but get over here now. Um, he is the one in Los Angeles. He works in TV and film and I know God is using him out there. Um, but we're, I think we're all hopeful to see him move this way at some point and who knows, who knows when that'll be, but, but yeah, four generations right now in three homes, just a couple miles apart. And there are 16 or 17 of us at last count. So it is, it is a really fun season to be doing life together. And this is just, we're like eight weeks in mm. <laughs> to this new transition. But, um, you know, we all have, we all have regrowing to do now. We're relearning how to be in community with each other. And, and there are days we drive each other nuts and things that we're, we're growing through and learning through. But I think we continually say to each other, if our biggest complaint is that we love each other so much and want to help each other so much that we're annoying each other, we don't really have a lot to complain about, do we? And it's such a gift to be in the kids' lives and to be learning from all four generations. It's just, it's, it's such a gift. It's really interesting because you talk about COVID drawing you back to each other and what a beautiful story in light of so many stories I've heard, you know, as a women's minister and meeting with so many women and so many of us are experiencing the opposite. COVID really created division and um, polarization and families who aren't gathering anymore for Thanksgiving and families who are arguing about politics and families who fell in different camps on COVID stuff. And so you're hearing like almost the opposite story of what you're describing your family is experiencing. It's so beautiful that you guys allowed COVID this hardship, this hard thing to actually draw you back together. Why do you think, why do you think that happened for you versus like the polarization and the, and the division in the kind of pulling apart that's happened for some other people? 
I think that the move and the desire to do life together is not, it's not a COVID thing. You know, it was a, it was a decades old prayer from my parents. They got married in their early twenties and knew what they, their heart's desire from, they just celebrated 40 years together. And Mm -hmm. in 40 years, their continual prayer has been to create a heritage of faith in their family. And so to, you know, I think COVID maybe was the circumstance that allowed it and not the foundational thing that created it, you know? I think that that came from the Lord. He put it in their hearts so many years ago, and it's been their their daily prayer. Mm. And regardless of of what happens, you know, around us or in the world, that prayer has not changed. And it's so fun for me to see some of that come together for them, knowing that they've prayed it for 40 years, you know? Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, I would love to be your parents. I mean, every time I blow out uh, the birthday candles, the other day we were on a walk, um, a walk from my mom died this past year, and there's a walk from where she's buried to the ocean. And so for the marker of the one year anniversary of her death, my husband and daughter went there and we were walking and we saw those, you know, those giant dandelion I there's a name for them whatever the name is and you blow on them and make a wish and my prayer I probably shouldn't say it out loud although I don't think God jinxes prayers but my prayers are always that I get to grow old and be close to my kids and watch them grow old Mm -hmm. and your parents are getting to experience my biggest dream in life is to have my people all together doing life together and seeing, you know, just God's goodness and all of that. Like they must just be over the moon and probably calling your brother every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, my younger, you know, learn the people around you. Right. And my younger brother is one who will, if you push, he's going to push harder. So mm-hmm. you, the strategy with him is to leave him be, and right. that's really hard. <laughs> so we yeah. talk about it amongst ourselves and pray. <laughs> nice. I like I'm it. sorry to hear about your mom, though. How is that? How's your heart? What's that been like for you? I don't imagine it's been an easy year. Yeah, it's been a hard year. I, I call it the year of death. I've had several close people to me pass away. Um, yeah, it's very layered. My mom was my mom and I had a very wounded relationship and she was an alcoholic and I lived with her alcoholism my entire life, moved out when I was a kid because I, I had to leave. And, um, so there's just so many layers to the grief that are really ugly and messy. And, um, you know, they kind of come at you in surprising ways. And so a lot of unpacking, right? A lot of, I mean, I've done a lot of work around it for years and Jesus has brought healing to my life, but there's been a lot more that's come out since she's passed away. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's exhausting. Honestly, grief is exhausting when you're unpacking a childhood full of woundedness and neglect and, 
frustration and abandonment and anger and all sorts of stuff while also wanting to like honor someone for the beautiful parts of who they are. And it's very confusing, but we can talk about that all day. And I want to spare you um, all of that. And I really want to talk to you about your book and what led you to write this book. Tell us about it. Hi, I'm excited to tell you about it. I in 2015, I was I had a great job. I was traveling everywhere. I had a great guy. Everything was going quite swimmingly. And um, I think God just, man, he loves us so well. And I needed to be humbled badly. And boy, did he. <laughs> boy, did he humble me. I, it started with the loss of my job which was also helping me travel internationally. And then um, in that loss of my job, it was a few days after, and I just kind of was re resetting. And I remember sitting on the balcony and praying over what I was supposed to do next. And, and I remember very clearly having this story be put on my heart. It was a lot different at the time, it was the second generation of of the main characters, which you meet in the second book in the trilogy. So readers haven't met this this uh, cast of characters just yet, but it started with them. And I, I got the first thoughts of what the story would look like and where it would go. And it was really clear to me that I was supposed to write. And um, I took a few shots at it and shared it with a few people. And I had experienced a little discouragement. People weren't really jumping onto it the way that I thought they would. And then a few months later, um, the guy I was with also broke up with me and I thought that was going to lead to marriage. And so to, mm. um, really feel like my life was going a certain way. And then, and then it, I mean, when I say he humbled me, boy, he humbled me. I, you know, lost an income and lost my relationship and, the one family member I had living near me at that time moved away for a year. So, I mean, it was, it was bad. Um, in the blog I write, I was broken hearted. I was broken and I was just plain broke <laughs> and it all happened at the same time. And it was, uh, it was, it was really hard, but the truth about that kind of devastation is that beautiful sanctification can take place there. And God was so faithful to meet me in that and help me along the way, look in the mirror at my hard places that needed to be refined and needed to go through some fire. And it was a slow process, but, you know, day by day and moment by moment, um, we, (laughs) we got to an improved version of me that's still far from, far from sanctified, but, uh, but a much better version, I think of the 2015 version of me. And, um, it was a few years later, it was four years later, actually at the global leadership summit, uh, 2019, it would have been. And the whole, the the global leadership summit is a conference on leadership and they say, uh, everybody has influence. So everybody's leader. And I love this conference. I go every year with my dad and my brother, and I always learn something. And that year they they kept talking about vision, 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 leaders need vision, leaders need vision. 
And I was pacing in the back of the room, just praying over that because I thought, oh, Lord, I don't, I don't have vision. I need a vision if I'm going to be, you know, a, a good leader. And I was just kind of begging him for it. And um, it's in, most people think at this point in the story, I'm going to say, and then he gave me vision and I got goosebumps and tinglies and uh, it was a clear vision, (laughs) but I, I didn't get that. I got a humbling word of conviction and that was, um, child, I already gave you vision and you didn't do anything about it. And that was, um, (laughs) that was tough. I, it stopped me in my tracks as I was pacing and I fought tears because I was so convicted by the fact that four years ago, he gave me vision when I asked him for it and I didn't do anything about it. I just, I just kind of sat in my pain and I, I had grieving to do. I had work to do and sure that's probably part of it, but, but he gave me a directive and I, <laughs> I didn't do anything about it. So it was at the global leadership summit in 2019 that I committed, I committed to writing the story that I knew he gave me. And at that point I'd start, I'd started and stopped several times. It's start and stopped several times. So I had, I think I had 13 different writing projects open on my computer and none of them were finished. And I mm-hmm. think that's because he, he spoke a very specific story. I tell this story. And when it got hard, I just moved on to another one. Oh, I have another idea. I have another idea. I have another idea. And that was so unproductive because I was chasing all the things I could conjure up in my mind and not, not pursuing the one thing he clearly told me to do. Hmm. And so, um, I knew how hard it was going to be. I had a full-time job. I was entering graduate school and, and I committed to write, write the trilogy. So I knew it was going to be tough and it was, it was a, a, an arduous couple of years to manage all of those things at the same time. But but man, he's good. And we did it. (laughs) I did it with him, just him right next to me. I say I was, I was merely the conduit. Uh, Mm. I opened the computer and, and he spoke the words into me. It's, it is his story, not mine. Hmm. It's so interesting because you experienced, you know, you described brokenness, brokenhearted, being broke. And in the middle of all that, he reminds you of his directive that he already gave you. And you say, you know, you, you felt convicted and you went back and you say you have story after story after story, like 13 stories on your computer. I'm kind of curious what you think that is, because I think a lot of us can resonate with you almost like we get excited about something or we feel like we got a directive from the Lord or we feel like we're supposed to do something, but then it gets hard in some way. And so then we're like, oh, it must not be this. Maybe it's this. I'll do this. And it doesn't matter what it is. You can fill in the blank. It could be a relationship. It could be a new type of career. It doesn't matter. But it's kind of like, oh, this is hard. I'm, I'm not sure this is it should be this hard. And so we move on and start something new. What do you think that was that was going on in you that kept sort of like recreating new stories instead of sticking with the one that you knew you were supposed to do, but it it was difficult? Yeah, I think often 
when God asks us to do something and then we think we obey and we kind of pat ourselves on the back and say, you know, good job. You did the hard thing. You did the thing that was against logic. You did the thing that, you know, pursued Christ instead of money or Christ instead of ease or Christ instead of you name it. I think at least my instinct is to is to think, well, God, I did I did the hard thing, so you're going to reward me now, right? It's going to be easy now, right? Because I I did the faithful thing. I I walked across the Red Sea. I got out of the boat. It's going to be easy now. Mm-hmm. And I think so often the exact opposite happens, where where circumstances get harder before they get better, and our faith is tested more before it's for lack of a better term, rewarded. And and I don't know if that's Satan trying to mess with us and and make us doubt our decision or our direction, or I don't know if it's just God's further refining of us and saying, yes, you did, but uh, sweet, beloved child, I am not an ATM machine. This is not a situation where you did the good thing, and so therefore it's going to rain down blessings on you, you know? Mm-hmm. I, and I said, I say this in one of the blogs as well, when I was considering the move uh, and I'd already decided I was going to do it. And I was reflecting on all these good things that were in Orlando that I didn't want to leave. And I was praying, praying just desperately like, Lord, why would you ask me to leave this place? It's so beautiful. It's so lovely. I did such hard work here. There's so much healing that happened here. I love this place. I don't want to leave. And and I felt like he just spoke this sentence to me, child, do you think this is all I have for you? You think this is it? And I don't just mean blessings mm-hmm. on the other side of that. Like, okay, make another hard decision and then things are, you're going to be blessed. I mean like the sanctification on the other side of that. Do you think this is all I have for you? Do you think you're done growing and evolving and changing? Do you think you're you're done getting better? Like they, we have a lot more work to do. So make the move, do the hard thing, and then things are going to get a lot harder. And, you know, commit to writing the book. And then the next three years, they're going to be super tough. <laughs> it's going to be really long hours and really long nights and a lot of solitude and a lot of doubting and questioning. But I just, without that, how do we get better? You know, so I don't, I don't know, maybe it's a combination of Satan trying to, to change our direction, or maybe it's the Lord, you know, refining us more and more and pushing us more and more. But, but I think what I know is what's true in James, James one, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, for, you know, that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance when it finishes work, you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I, I, I keep reminding myself of that scripture and thinking things have to be hard for me to get better. And I want to be better every day. Your mental, spiritual, and emotional health is worth time, energy, and investment. As women, we can sometimes struggle to find the space and time necessary to focus on rejuvenating our minds and our spirits. But the truth is, our health is worth it. The Collide Counseling Bundle is an online course featuring 12 videos of mental health professionals giving their best advice, 
journals, resources, and so much more to help walk you through the topics that are most relevant to your life. Anxiety, broken relationships, body image, and more. We are so thrilled to be making the resources for a sustainable healing journey available for the same investment as what one therapy session typically costs, $99. It's time to invest in your healing and wholeness. Learn more at wecollide.net slash counseling bundle. You use the word sanctification quite a bit, and I kind of am curious if you might want to break that down for people who are like, what does sanctification mean? You talk about the beauty of, of in your brokenness, you experience sanctification. Tell us what you mean by that and why you see sanctification as beautiful, even though it's hard. Yeah. I get, I pick up the word sanctification most often, I think, from Oswald Chambers. I read a lot of Oswald Chambers, specifically my utmost first highest. And he uses that word a lot. And so I, I use it contextually the way he uses it when he writes, which is, which is that refining process. It's that, it's the continual evolving and continual getting better. I, I want to come out the other end as like Christ as I can be. And I have a lot of places that need refining and, um, and work. What is C.S. Lewis? <laughs> C.S. Lewis puts it in, in a really beautiful way. And I think this is sanctification in a nutshell. He says, you picture yourself as like a little house or a little cottage, and it's lovely. It's beautiful and decorated and so beautiful. And it's this perfect, lovely little cottage, and that's that's who you are. And then you start feeling this pounding on a wall, and you realize that God is breaking down the walls of this house that you think are so beautiful. And you're going, Lord, what are you doing? This This hurts, and you're destroying this beautiful house. And then what you don't know is that God never wanted you to be as this cute little cottage. He was building a mansion. And mm. so in order to do that, there has to be a breaking down of some walls and some rebuilding to for him to create in you what his picture of you was going to be. And I think in a nutshell, that is sanctification. It hurts. Uh, mm. But if we allow God to do what only he can do in making us better, then we become this thing that we never thought we even had the potential to be. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's my prayer is like my little brain and my little ideas for who I thought I wanted to be or, or thought would be enough, but, but his are so much bigger and so much better. It's such, such a better version of me. And I, I want to be on that journey with him no matter how much it hurts. And I, th I think that's what I mean when I say sanctification. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to listen to you talk. I think so often I keep thinking of the word like limiting, like we, we limit ourselves, like we want to hold on to this thing and we don't want to go through the hardship of letting it go and losing it. But on the other side of that, we get something way beyond what 
what we would have ever thought was possible for ourselves. Yeah. And yet we're kind of these people that just sort of like, like I have a pen in my hand, like we hold on to it so tight. And sometimes God has to like peel our fingers off of it and take it away for us to go through this process that you're talking about, the sanctification process to like actually put something better, like hand us something better. But we're like, no, I want this right here, you know? (laughs) And I love that you now see that God was up to something so much bigger than you could have imagined. So take us back to, you know, the moment where God reminds you of these directives. You have 13 different stories. You could have easily given up, moved on to another story, another story, but out came the refuge, this trilogy. What do you hope people receive from your work here in the refuge? The refuge, more than anything else, is about the value of human life. It celebrates all the different races, ages, genders, um, abilities. It, It celebrates life in all of its various forms and follows this cast of characters in a fantasy world, um, the publisher said, oh, your work is going to be classified as political fantasy. (laughs) I laughed at them and said, it's going to be what? (laughs) I never, I never would have known that I would have written something called political fantasy, but apparently that's what it is. Um, and it, 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 is the world that it exists in and Physis is, is separated by territories that are exclusive to race. So if we can pause for a minute and travel back to 2015, when God put this story on my heart and then jump to 2019, when I commit to writing it. And so by August of 2020, the book is written. I don't know if anybody remembers 2020, (laughs) but it was really hard. Mm -hmm. Race and um, the pandemic and riots and all of these things. And I thought only, only God can put a story on my heart. That's about unity above all else and the impacts of war and what war can do to a world and generational dysfunction. Like only God can write a story like that and then have it ready to be released in 2020. Only God can do that. And, and so you asked me what I want, what I hope people get out of the book the most and what I hope people get out of the book the most is just that there's this, um, there's this line that some of the main characters use all the time. And they say, they put their hands on people, not in a healing way, but just in a loving way. And they say, the human life that is the most valuable is the one with a beating heart inside its chest. And I think that's something that could do us all a lot of good right now is that if there's a beating heart inside somebody's chest, that human is ultimately valuable. And, uh, and we, I think we've lost, we've lost some sight of that. I think in the last few years and all, remembering all the ways that we're different and not, not celebrating the ways that we're the same. And um, they're looking, they're looking 
one of the women at one point looks around at the destruction in her territory. They've just been attacked by combatants in the war and there's dust. They live, she lives in a, in a, in a territory made of clay and there's dust and clay everywhere. And it's kind of raining on everybody. And she reflects in her mind and thinks in the dust of destruction, we all look the same. And she says, we, we couldn't tell, you know, one person from the next because they were all covered in the same clay. And, um, and that, I think that matters. Uh, the refuge is the name of the ship that sails around uh, the war and picks up people who are wounded from the sea and they put them all on the ship and then they're healed on the ship by doctors. And so they have to lay next to each other. They have to lay next to people they've been fighting against and they have to lay next to people who, who they've tried to kill through war. And they have to be healed next to each other in the same beds. And, uh, and again, you know, I say, this is only a story God could write. <laughs> this is, it's just, it's, su- it's such a miraculous thing to me that God put these things in my heart and said, write this. And that it, it, it was set to publish in 2020 in, in the division and in the war. And then to have Russia and Ukraine break out, you know, not too much later, it was just, I just keep looking up at the sky and shaking my head at him and saying, what? <laughs> You're so, he's so amazing. I just, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't comprehend it. Yeah, that is amazing. It's really interesting to me that the refuge is the ship that picks up the wounded. And I love your statement and they're healed next to each other. The people that they fought, they're healed next to each other in the same beds. I'm, I can see that that's your heart, that you, you hope for some picture of this imagery that you're talking about in your book. Do you see, do you see that happening around you in our world? Do you see, um, people doing the work of almost the refuge of picking up the wounded that maybe they should be divided from and um they're both experiencing healing next to each other are you seeing that kind of hope showing up in our world i can see glimmers of that i think every day uh, who was it? Uh, Fred Rogers, I think, said, "When you get, when you get discouraged, look for the helpers, because there are always helpers hmm. in an emergency, in a crisis, in a fire, in a wreck. Look for the helpers, and that that will, that will provide some glimmer of hope into our humanity. I should." say though for context it's important to know that i don't have any social media and i think social media has been a a big informer of negativity and division um which is part of the reason why i choose not to use it um but i don't have the constant flood that a lot of people have to consume every day i don't have that in my purview Mm-hmm. So I may have a more optimistic outlook perhaps than than others 
to answer that question simply because I, I just don't consume, I don't consume social media. I don't have any TV or Hulu or Netflix or anything like that. So I think I escape some of the, some of the hardship. And I want to say that we're improving from the last few years. I can see conversations happening that weren't happening. And I can see some patience where there wasn't patience before, but, um, but we're humans. And I think this is hard. So mm-hmm. I just said to somebody the other day, my greatest hope is that we can just keep a conversation going, you know, because uh, she and I disagree very much on a lot of different things. And, and I said, I don't want to focus on what we disagree on. I just, I just want to keep a conversation open and you educate me and I'll educate you. And if we can just keep an open dialogue, hopefully we can move forward because we so vehemently disagree on where we stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, she was really open to that and, and I'm thankful for that. I think that's hopefully a sign of progress. What do you mm-hmm. think? Do you see it? I was, I was just thinking what a beautiful, invitation that is in relationship. You talk about sanctification, a process we go through with the Lord. And I think we've given up on being in relationship and process. Hmm. So we've given up coming to the table with people who believe different things than us, rather than recognizing we're all in process. We're all in a journey. We're all experiencing our own sanctification with the Lord. And mine looks different than yours and yours looks different than mine. And God could be chiseling over on one part of me. That's a completely different part than what he's chiseling on you. And what we've done is we've just said, I don't have patience for other people's process. You're either with me or you're not. I love that not only are you allowing God to walk you through a process on a journey, but you're doing it in your friendships. It's really beautiful. It's really cool. I do, you asked me if I'm seeing that kind of hope. I do see it. I see, I see people showing up in the world every single day and trying to point people towards life, trying to point people towards hope, reminding people they're worthy, they're valuable. And I think we've spent a lot of time in the last few years talking a lot about what God isn't doing or how the church sucks or Christians are are terrible. And um, I think we haven't been telling the stories of the good the things that God is doing, the the ways people are showing up and helping other people and bringing healing to wounded people and pointing people to help and hope. And um, I love that you're a storyteller and you're pointing people to a refuge. That's, that's more of what we need in the world. It's not mine. I thank you so much for that encouragement, but I, I mean, God just, he just spoke this story into my heart and I, every time I read it or look back on it or, or get to talk about it, I just think, you know, it it was his, he was ready to, he was ready to tell it. One of my good friends, um, was reading through the Psalms as she was reading the book and she said, I, I had no idea how many refuges, how many references there are to the Lord being our refuge, our strong tower until I was reading the refuge and then reading the Psalms and realizing like, this is what he calls himself. 
He is the refuge. And so then to see how he wrote the story of the ship, you know, sailing around and these people finding healing on the ship where he has called himself the our refuge, our strong tower, our place of healing um, is so beautiful. And I would love to claim credit for that and say that I I did that, but I did not. It was just very much like the, the name of the ship's going to be the refuge. There was no conscious thinking or choosing on my part mm-hmm. of that choice. He just, he created it as such. And it's been really fun to watch, see That's all the things cool. light up. Very cool. I know people are going to want to grab a copy of your book and read your blog and connect with you. How can they do that? I would love to connect with anybody who wants to chat about this. Um, And like I said earlier, I I choose not to use social media for better or for worse. So the way you can connect with me is on authorinford.com. That is my author website, authorinford.com. And um, the blog is up. You can comment and share on that. There's also a contact form. If you just want to send me a message directly, I try to get to every message that I, I get. may take me a few days, but I'll get there. I will get to you. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you and connect with you. That's awesome. I so appreciate you hopping on here today and you know sharing your story barefoot and all. No mango, but we got the tea situation going. And <laughs> I love that you're pointing us to the value of human life and God is our refuge. And I love how you're living the story in your own life. So I just appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out with me. Those are kind words. Thank you. Oh, Willow, I wanted to say, um, you know, when you invited, when you all invited me to be on the podcast, I wanted to learn about you. So I, um, I became a consumer of the podcast um, just to learn about the ministry and be on your site and look at your resources. And I, I mean, you guys are doing tremendous, tremendous work that I have so much respect for and I'm so excited by, um, but I also just wanted to to say thank you to you. The, uh, the podcast is as a consumer, as just, you know, I wake up and go on my run in the morning and put, push play on the collide podcast. And it has been Mm. such a beautiful encouragement every morning. There's just something new that I'm learning. And, and, um, so if you guys, if you all are listening because you're my friends and, and you want to support me, so you're listening to the podcast, I say, thank you. And I also say, uh, take a look at collide because they are doing some tremendous work and it, it needs a light shined, shined, shown on it as well. (laughs) Whatever that is. (laughs) Thank you. That's very encouraging. That gives me encouragement to keep sitting in this room every week and doing what God's called me to do. But honestly, the gift is, is all mine in the sense that I get to sit with people like you and see God doing amazing things every single week. And it, it just fills me, blesses me to be able to talk to people as astounding as you and hear how God's on the move. So thank you for hanging out with me. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Friend, I hope that this interview with N. Ford encouraged you that even in brokenness, 
there's a process that you're in that God's moving and shaping and refining and calling and he's doing something beautiful even when you can't see it. I hope you'll lean into that. If you need encouragement in that, make sure to check out our counseling bundle. It's a class that you can grab hold of online at our Collide School taught by 12 Christian therapists who really help walk you through a process of what she was talking about, sanctification, allowing even in the hard stuff the brokenness, allowing God to get in there and make you better and more whole and more like who you are meant to be. And so friend, I just want to encourage you to keep colliding and know that God loves you and He's writing a beautiful story in your life. We'll catch you next week.